As time passes, people seem to have forgotten that rights were violated just three years ago in this country. People's privacy was attacked. I sat down last week with Ben Edel, the founder of Free Organ, to talk about the court cases and the protections against the constitutional erosion that was happening during that time and where things stand. And I was shocked to find out that there are many court cases that are still pending in the state of Oregon that could have massive uh, repercussions throughout this entire country. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. You can go over to americaoutloud.news, check out all my colleagues' work, as well as go over to the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, 24-7, 365 days a week. Just go onto your favorite app store device and type in America Out Loud Talk Radio, where all of the radio shows as well as the podcast are available. And podcasts like this one and all the others from the network are available on all of your favorite podcast devices. Why? Because we are everywhere. Well, welcome to the midweek. If you're tuning in with me last week, you know that I sat down with Ben Edel, who is a phenomenal activist in Oregon. He's helped 20,000 individuals at least organized and motivated them to take a stand against unconstitutional mandates, as well as he's brought legislation and he's also brought the court cases in that state that are now being elevated up to the highest courts. I wanted to find out while speaking with him, where was the status within all of that? And so we joined my conversation with Ben here. I, I'm kind of curious, as far as people's uh, First Amendment rights, right? My friend that had to leave, he couldn't get um, a uh, exemption medically based upon religious beliefs. Uh, people at work, I know I can speak for myself. They wanted to know, were you vaccinated? Fill this out. We, we have to have an answer to a school district by X date. We need to know who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. I remember growing up, I was told, hey, if you need to take a sick day, it's nobody's business what you're sick with. No one's allowed to ask you a question of like, well, what's going on this morning? How come you can't come in? Yeah. It was your private information. Mm -hmm. um, Governor Kate Brown, right? She passed laws in Oregon that violated people's first amendments based upon the religious freedoms, yep. uh, based upon the forced mass vaccinations of federal employees. People affected probably close to 100,000 people uh, across the board in Oregon. Um, and it affected doctors. There's doctors no longer in practice in Oregon, as well as all across this country, uh, because of these attacks on First Amendment rights. Do you have any court cases at this point in time uh, that also are looking to attack that? You, I know that is it the Nuremberg Code uh, coercion? Is that really kind of what this part of the free Oregon platform is addressing? Is that what you were talking yeah. about earlier? 
Yeah, there we we have a number of people on that on that uh, plaintiffs, including myself, Free Organ. Um, I'm not a plaintiff, but Free Organ is a plaintiff. Um, right. And and um, uh, we are we that that is incorporated into um, into the lawsuit. But look, you got to understand something: the 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 Oregon Medical Board gave quotas because legislation was written to force quotas. Doctors, if they gave more than five or a dozen medical exemptions, they would lose their license. And mm-hmm. so you got to understand that the bureaucracy runs deep. And as an elected official, you could pass laws that could be interpreted, uh, you know, by the boards, the medical boards, the Oregon State Board of Nursing and, and, the, and the, uh, the Oregon Medical Board, which we've also that are sued and named in that in that lawsuit in the Nuremberg case. And they can interpret it certain ways, right, certain ways where they can say, well, we better meter this or we better put limitations on how many uh, doctors are out there given, you know, one doctor gives, you know, 1500, uh, you know, religious exemptions, you know, we're gonna have a problem, right? right. Um, so they're limiting this stuff down and pulling licenses like my friend, Dr. Stephen Latula, who was, uh, his license was revoked. Uh, he, he treated patients in his private practice uh, 100% effective without getting COVID or spreading COVID to any of his staff members. He was treating COVID 100% successfully and um, doing it the old fashioned way with Pedialyte and uh, maybe, um, you know, maybe an antiviral or, or, um, you know, uh, ivermectin or something like that. And they pulled his board, they pulled his license and this is a good doctor. Okay. And we were very fortunate for you to have a guy like that on our team because he made sure we had ivermectin and we had all the things we needed when we did get COVID eventually we got through it very quickly, um, and we we would run around as free organ. We had we had activists of free organ going around uh, with O2 meters and all the medicines and going hundreds of people, and and we were literally buying ivermectin from India and and literally spreading it out to all the people that we knew that were getting sick when they started to get sick, and we were keeping people alive because when you went to the hospital. And my wife got it and she, we both got it, but she got it really bad. And I've never seen her that sick. And I was really worried for her. And I remember she called the doctor and the doctor said, when you can't breathe, you go to the ER. Otherwise, stay home. And that was the recommendation. And I heard Dr. Peter McCullough say this on a podcast on, on Spotify. And he said, when in the world did we ever as doctors wait to treat any kind of illness? We all, it's always been early and fast. And, and the faster we catch cancer, the faster we catch a cold, the faster we catch the, a flu or a bug or any kind, the faster we treat that, the, the less uh, severe and the shorter the, the duration. And that's always been uh, factual medical reliance. We could always rely on that. And in Oregon, they decided to do the opposite. Stay home and do nothing until you can't breathe. Then you come in and get put on a ventilator and die. That's exactly what they did. And when that happened, they would get paid big bucks because the federal government earmarked all of that, uh, all the insurance money and hospitals couldn't operate. They, they, 90% of the revenue from a hospital is elective procedures, 90%. It's not from the ER. That's where you lose all your monies in the ER, but that's the only thing they can have open. And so they had to say, this is COVID, this is COVID, or they weren't going to get the insurance money and the federal, um, and the federal um, uh, subsidies uh, for a patient that couldn't pay. So yeah, I mean I know, I know people that died of designed pandemic. Yeah, I know people that died of cancer during the pandemic and they're labeled as dying from covid because they had covid at the time of death. Yeah. But but they weren't going to make it. They only had, you know, 6 months left to live in some cases and it was aggressive stage 4, but yet 
they got coded as COVID because the hospitals were receiving money in order to make this happen. And, and it was the only way for the hospitals to survive. It wasn't like the hospitals right. are crooked. They're just like, dude, we, we have to do this or we're done. Right. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you this right now. The Oregon medical system has got to be the worst in the country. It is a, a, mm. a failed they destroyed it. They completely destroyed the system. I, I think, I, Ben, I think that's everywhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, the is healthcare, it? the healthcare industry here in the East Coast, uh, from Philadelphia into Delaware into Baltimore, John Hopkins, all the way up to the children's hospitals, they are all hurting. And the reason I believe is because when you mandated all these individuals to get these shots, there's two things that have happened. I've had Dr. Mackis on from Canada. He's talked about turbo cancers. He's talked about how his good friends that are doctors are dying at yeah. a disproportionate rate from what he saw previously. You also have doctors that refuse to take it. And as a result, they were pushed out. Nurses that refuse to take it. As a result, they were pushed out. Here in the state of Delaware, I believe over 3,200 people lost their job in the healthcare industry and they've never recovered right? They've never hired back the people. So you got to wait forever to get an appointment. Yep. If you want to go see a dermatologist now, it takes you six months and you might have skin cancer, right? But you're waiting six months with skin cancer before you can ever have it removed from your body. Uh, the it's, it's a, it's a national issue that needs to be addressed, but we're not talking about it because we're so distracted by everything else. We ruined the healthcare industry in 2020, 2021. Everybody blames COVID. It wasn't COVID that ruined the healthcare industry. COVID. Never. I, nothing pissed me off more. Nothing pissed me off more when people would say, "Oh, it's COVID." It's not COVID. It's the government. COVID mm -hmm. didn't take my business away. COVID didn't say that I couldn't have anyone who chose to come in and get a latte come in and get a latte. That was the government, and 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 it wasn't COVID. You can't say that. And and the other thing too that not only did we did we lose our uh you know the 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 infrastructure in our medical care system, but we also lost trust in our doctors. Like my doctor tried to push the, 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 the COVID shot on me. And I was like, you sure, buddy. Like, whoa. And this, you know, my, my doctor a long time, you know, I don't want to lose. I still, he's still my doctor, but now you go into a, a hospital. Look, my stepdad, he's a guy who, who, who's had, um, you know, every shot and every booster. And now he's in ICU a year later with, with lung disease and, and, and something else. And I'm literally going in to visit him in the ICU yesterday. And there's two nurses standing there. One's not wearing a mask and one is wearing a mask. And I go in there and go, look, is my sister from Europe came back from Europe and she's like, you got to wear this. And I was like, hold on, is it going to be a difference on him if I'm wearing a mask or not? And the and the nurse that didn't wear what didn't have a mask on goes, no, it's not going to make it's not going to make any difference. And the one with a mask, oh, you know it is. It's going to make a difference. And I was like, <laughs> now, which one of you is telling the truth? <laughs> I mean, it's just you can't. This is insanity. Okay, this is 2023. We all know masks don't work. You look at Multnomah County, Portland's biggest county, and you go, everybody's wearing a mask and they're all sick. Um, and, and so it's like the numbers are extraordinarily high. And and I'm going, obviously, masks don't work because everyone in Multnomah County is wearing a mask. Yeah, it's not I, people I, knew, I knew masks didn't work because I have an HVAC expert who teaches it. Um, who knows about microcrons and he explained it to me early on. He's like, this is the type mask you're going to need for the size of a COVID virus. And if you don't have that type of respirator and it's, it's that level, you need a respirator. That kind of you, go over your head. The correct. The then yeah. you cannot protect yourself against this. It's that tiny. It's, you know, it's unfathomable for people to really think about how airborne and aerosolized this was. Um, I, I, I had a thought there. Uh, as you were talking about, so I'll come back to it in a few moments. I'll, I'll, I'll reconnect where I was. Come back to it because I'll tell you this. 
the organ the organ established in 2010. Okay. So mm-hmm. from all the years, 1859, I think organ was established, but in 2010, they found it necessary to create the organ health authority. Okay. And the organ health authority today is the organ health authority. Okay. It's the authority. Um, it's the authority on all health. We have a, we have a health czar. Um, and the organ health authority, let me tell you this, the state of Oregon's budget is a hundred billion dollars a year. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a budget. It's not the biggest budget in the world, but it's a lot of money, a hundred billion dollars, a lot of money. Okay. The Oregon health authority gets $45 billion of it every year, $45 billion. It's like, it's like almost 50% of the entire, um, uh, budget of the state of Oregon every year. And the next biggest budget item is like, is like 2%. Okay. Everything else is split, but the Oregon health authority has 45% of the entire state budget. Okay. And it's a bureaucracy. It, it's insanity. Right, yeah. it's, okay? it's a shakedown. Let me, let it's me, a let, shakedown. let me tell you why it's fresh in my mind. So pe- people having, having this show is really a, uh, place of privilege sometimes because I, I get information sent to me that uh i really appreciate listeners you know that that are like trusting that i won't out them so i can never show this document but i have in my possession a letter that went out from different governors and it's identical to doctors in this country in 2021 threatening all of them that and it went out on official letterhead on the individual states i have yep. a couple copies of this it was sent out to tell them that should they talk in any way, shape, or form with their patients, their 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 sick that are coming in, their the 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 doctor patient trust that have been there, should they in any way, shape, or form tell somebody that they should not get a COVID vaccine, that they would have their medical license revoked and they would be fined. It's up to a I think it was like a ten thousand dollar fine on some of these letters, mm-hmm. right? And so I just looked up Dr. Uh, Stephen LaTulip, um, and it looks like he got a $10,000 fine, your friend, mm-hmm. as well as losing that. These letters went out, and that is the reason why doctors shut up. When you threaten somebody with their money and their livelihood, yep. you, you, you do no harm goes out the window. Smart, right? people, smart people would shut up. I'm not that smart. Yeah. So <laughs> me neither, because now I have a platform and a microphone. I was like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't care. We're, we're, you know, but doctors are much smarter than guys like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, obviously I, I ended up going onto a national podcast and doing this every day. So maybe I, I'm, uh, there's as, as much as we have common sense, uh, we definitely aren't thinking about our future possibly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So we've covered medical freedom. We've covered our first amendment rights. Uh, we've covered elections a little bit uh, in Oregon and what's going on. I'm going to ask you a question about yeah. elections before we move on to uh, talking. Maybe uh, what's another uh, want to get into education. Uh, but final thing on on the elections. I talk to people all the time. They're telling me, you know, come on. Donald Trump hasn't won one court case to prove that there was election fraud in any yeah. of these states. Yeah. Um, and that is proof that there was no election fraud. No, it isn't. (laughs) And and that's why I want to ask you this question, Ben, because I know that you have a unique perspective on why that's not the case and why this talking point of the left is debunked once you understand the way elections are being tampered with. And so can, can you share with our listeners tonight 
what you've uncovered in Oregon and the barriers in getting good information and why you cannot definitively say the election was not stolen in 2020. Yeah. So, so what people don't understand about election law in the United States is that all election law is governed by the state. And so if you have a grievance with an election process, the federal government doesn't conduct elections. Okay. The states do. And so when you have a, a, a grievance about an election, then the circuit court, the circuit federal circuit court that's in your local city or whatever, is going to turn that back to the states. It's a state issue. So you got to take it to state court. Now, if you live in a state like Oregon, you can't trust any of the judges. So you don't want to take your cases to state court. You'd rather try with 50% of the Ninth Circuit Court judges being from California. The other 50, you might get a chance that there, you know, you got you got a legit judge, right? There's a right. little better odds, okay? Not great, but better. And um, and you know, Washington is not half bad either. But um, you know, we cover Wyoming, Idaho, you know, California, Colorado, you know, Nevada. There's a there. Not, I don't know if Nevada's in there or not, but uh, the, kind of the the western uh, northwestern half of the United States is the Ninth Circuit Court. So we have a case called Thielman v. Fagan, and Mark Thielman is a guy who ran for governor uh, in the in the in the friend of mine, and he ran for governor in the midterm of 2022, um, and uh, he filed a lawsuit. Uh, with Stephen Jonkis, our civil rights attorney, and added me on as the second plaintiff and a few other plaintiffs. And we sued every single county, 36 counties in the state of Oregon, and the Secretary of State and the state of Oregon itself. Um, not for election fraud. We didn't say there's election fraud. We said we have a crisis in confidence uh, mm. in our elections. And we have a lot of evidence as to why we have a crisis in confidence. And this is brilliant. This is brilliant stuff. A lot of this is Mark Thielman and, and Stephen Jonkins. Those two brains together, quite a quite a thing. Um, but uh, they decided we're going to take a, take an approach that we're saying there's a crisis in confidence. So we go into to federal court, our, our federal courthouse in Portland, um, in our circuit court, and uh, we of course lose, um, and we get sent back to not it, just in the first hearing. The, the state wanted ran a motion to dismiss. We had an argument to, to uh, defeat the motion to dismiss. We lost the state one and they dismissed our case. We got sent back uh, to state court. Then we immediately turned around and filed in the Ninth Circuit for appeal. But what happened between the two weeks, between getting our case dismissed and being awarded appeal by the Ninth Circuit Court, was the Oregon Secretary of State tweeting that they've had a victory for election integrity because they didn't allow any, the public to actually... Uh, have a grievance heard about their closed election system that no one can confirm or validate at all any way, shape or form. And so they said, this is a victory for election integrity. And they said in that tweet, they said, voting is fun in Oregon or voting feels good in Oregon, right? It feels good to vote. That's their statement. That's their slogan. It feels good to vote in Oregon because, you know, it's all managed by the state and you don't have to worry about anything and computers do the counting and computers make it better. But let me tell you something. There is one thing for certain that computers do not make better, and that is the counting of ballots. OK, um, that's case number one. Not only did two weeks after the, the secretary of state boasted about their big victory in court that we got accepted by the Ninth Circuit Court. We also uh, filed a motion uh, to expedite the case because of the impending 2024 uh, general election. And we were awarded uh, expedition and victorious there too. So the state is in deep shit right now, as, as we like to say, because now every single time we ask for information or data to validate our elections, county to county, and they argue and object in court 
because they don't want to show us the data or the facts or the or the reality of our election systems, we can say to them, what are you lying about? What are you trying to hide? This is federal court. You have to show it. And this is our data. So that's case number one, Thielman v. Fagan. Our second election integrity case, which is even almost even more interesting. Oh, before I do that, okay. I want you to understand something about Thielman v. Fagan that's critical. Um, two things. Thielman v. 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 Fagan uses Brown versus Board of Education as the, as the legal precedence for our, our argument. And here's why. In Brown versus Board of Education, there was not one piece of evidence brought to court that proved that there was actual discrimination happening in black schools versus white schools. They argued that it was a perception of, of, of discrimination and that's how they won the case in federal court. It was the perception of discrimination through segregation. And that's Brown versus Board of Education. So in Thielman v. Fagan, we're arguing that there is a percept there is a perception of voter fraud in the state of Oregon. There is a crisis of confidence because the state of Oregon won't let us validate our own elections. They refuse to allow it from the legislation all the way down. Um, and we also show uh, facts like Multnomah County, which is the largest county in, in the state of Oregon. It has, I don't know, 500,000 people in it. Multnomah County has only removed four, no, sorry, two, two voters from the voter roll in the last four years. So, so we have active voters, active and inactive voters, registered voters with signatures and everything else, and only two have been removed in the last four years, okay? So we have more people uh, die every day than those two in the city of Portland. So um, these are big questions that we're concerned about. Um, why are we not cleaning the voter rolls? Why are they not allowing individuals or even candidates to see the ballots after they've been turned in? Why do we allow uh, ballot harvesting in Oregon? And, 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 there, and there's even more. There's so many crazy things. So that's case number one. And the reason why all of Trump's, this is the big thing I think you wanted me to mention, the reason why all of Trump's cases were dismissed is because you have to start in circuit court and you have to be sent back to the state. So the circuit court is always going to grant the state the motion to dismiss because that's what they have to do. It's procedural grounds. Not one piece of evidence from that, that Trump's team ever had in any case of, in any state that they brought was ever shown to a judge. OK, not one. And you can look at it at LexisNexis. So all you attorneys out there. Go look up all of Trump's cases and you can see all the public record, all the testimony, everything. And you will see that no judge ever saw any evidence in that case. And so in any of Trump's cases. But in our case, for the first time in federal court, the judges are going to see actual evidence. And, and, and this is a huge unprecedented case. It's Dealman v. Fagan. So, again, I'm second listed on the lawsuit um, and uh, I'm right behind uh, um uh, Thielman on this, and there's uh, numerous other plaintiffs, and uh, and and I'm really looking forward to this. Well, well Ben, on the, on the other side of the break here, why don't I have you break down the second court case? This is all phenomenal information for everybody. I hope that you guys are taking notes about this uh, because you probably are like me. You've heard lots of people say that, well, Trump has never won a court case uh, against any of his claims. And why would that be? And I think that you're laying out uh, an excellent framework here that I would like to hear a response from others about, but I want to hear about that second case as well. We're going to take a quick break here so we can hear a word from our sponsors. You can go over to America out loud dot store where you can see all the great 
companies uh, that are helping to support the network and they help support us through your support of them. So please go do that. If you'd like to support my show, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash bold America. Help keep my independent views with independent news alive and coming to you. You've been listening to American Bolden with Greg Bolden and my special guest, Ben Edel, here on the American Out Loud Network. Be right back. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here on America Emboldened with my special guest, Ben Edel. We are talking about the court cases that you may not have heard of, but they are going to rock this country. So, Ben, tell us about this second court case that is currently in the Oregon courts and where it stands. There's another case called Washington County v. Sipple. And in Washington County v. Sipple, this, this, this guy in Washington County, which is the county I live in, uh, went to the Washington County Elections Division. And he's a free organ member, by the way. And he went to the Elections Division and he asked, he did a public records request to get just the, the, the test run. So they take real ballots and they fill it out like it's a vote. And they do like 15 or 20 of them and they run them through the tabulators. Uh, to try to figure out if, how accurate they are. They get them spit out. They go, oh, it's working. That They do that before they start counting votes. That's what he asked for. He wanted to see the accuracy check, okay? And so they said, yeah, sure, we'll give that to you. This is back 2021. This is from a um, uh, from the 2020 election he, he asked for. Mm-hmm. Well, he goes down to the elections office and they give it to him in a little thumb drive and he takes the thumb drive home and he sticks it in his computer and he goes to transfer it over onto his desktop and he goes and walks away for a minute and, and comes back. And by God, it's not even at 1% still. What the hell? <laughs> so he's like, you know, scratching his head. He's a computer guy. You know, he's like scratching his head. And then he looks at the thing and it's eight terabytes of data. Wow. Eight terabytes of data. <laughs> okay? So so he's like, holy shit. 
I got, I got eight terabytes of data. So he starts looking through it and he finds out he's got the whole shebang, the entire Washington County voter roll, all, all the, 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 the database information, every ballot image, the whole thing. They gave it to him by accident. Okay. And he calls me up and he goes, dude, I got the whole thing. And I said, listen, man, what you need to do is you need to go out to lunch and you need to leave that somewhere obvious and leave your front door unlocked so I can come <laughs> in and you know, clean your house or something, right? And he's like, oh, and, 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 and I'm like, you need to give me that, that data. Like, I, I, we need to start spreading it around, right? And he goes, no, hell no, I can't do that. This is, he's scared shitless, right? Oh, I, I don't blame him. So I call Jonkus up, Stephen Jonkus, and I go, hey, what do we do about this? And he talks to his um, his uh, his attorney, uh, his ethics attorney, and the ethics attorney advises him that he tells this this the, the county that this what happened. And so he goes forward and does that. And now looking back, we realize we didn't necessarily have to do that. It's our data. Um, and um, and but he does that. And then immediately the state attorney general uh, files a lawsuit on Tim Sipple to gag him and and uh, demand it back. Then we, we argued to get a hearing. We won the hearing. So we go to the hearing. And between the time that we go to the hearing, we had to, we had to ask the judge that, hey, we got to look at this data and analyze it, right, in order to have our hearing and prepare for it. So we need to send it off to a few experts. So we're allowed to do that. And we sent it off to a few experts, one of them being Dr. Frank. And Dr. Frank comes back and he goes, well, we've looked at all this stuff. He's got a pretty big team. And he realizes that in all 126 precincts in Washington County, voter precincts in Washington County, 126. In each and every one, exactly 84% of Democrats turned out to vote. In all 126, in each and every single one, okay? Uh-huh. And he finds out that in each and every one of the 126 precincts in Washington County, exactly 82% of Republicans turned out. In each and every one. 84, 82. It was ceiling. It was capped. It was an algorithm. Okay. Yeah. So we spotted it and, and we go to court and we're going to go to court to show two things. We're saying that number one, we've got 500 line code that allows us to change the dots on a ballot image after it goes through the tabulator that's not connected to the internet. And we just, we demonstrate it to the judge. We say, our, our tabulators are incredibly vulnerable. We can sit in a car, even when they're not connected to the internet, even when they don't have a modem, we can sit there and we can hack in. Why? Because they got modems this big in every single one of those tabulators. They're tiny little modems and, they're, and you can get into it and you can hack them. And we showed the judge how to do it right there in the courtroom. And then the attorney general came back around and said, you see, you see, your honor, this is why they can't have this information. They use this information to learn how to hack our system. This is so critical because everything's electronic. We can't allow the public to see any of it. Okay? Ben, this is Ben. I, I, I want you to continue, but I got to show Americans the document right now. Guys, what Ben's talking about, there is a court order back in May, 2021. This story is from June 14th. So we're hearing now information that I'm guessing most people in this country have never heard before. You're probably hearing it for the very first time out of Ben's mouth and you're going, I had no idea. Like Ben, my mind right now, next time somebody says to me, where is the evidence? You know, and I told you before in the the pre-interview, as we were talking, I'm a skeptic on some of this stuff. This is a smoking gun. If there's ever been a smoking gun, I mean, I am following exactly what you're putting down. You've laid this out in a way that anybody can understand it. This, this is, is a smoking gun. 
Yes. This is gigantic news. Pounds on the ground. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can get the an algorithm to basically max out, here's exactly what the percentage needs to be, then that does mean that you are able to change what's going on with these machines in real time. In um, real time. Any, anybody, but here's crap. the thing. See, Oregon's a narco state. Our, our, our legislative agenda from 2020 has been tremendously favorable to cartel operations, okay? Mm -hmm. Tremendously favorable. Human trafficking laws. You can go as a minor with anybody you want to and get an abortion with no questions asked. You can get a sex change as a minor, taxpayer funded, no questions asked. 13 and, and, and up. 13 and younger just have to be with an adult, not even your parents, okay? This is, the, this is state law. This is a crazy, cra crazy situation here. Drug dealing, um, uh, election tampering. We, we had our secretary of state, Fagan, have to step down because she took $50,000 from uh, a known uh, uh, cartel company that, that is a cartel front that sells marijuana in Oregon. So the biggest uh, marijuana dealer in the state, but they're a cartel front and they're taking cash. Rob Leiter, the guy that I ran against in the last election, was had taken $20,000 in cash that we know of. Tina Kotek. Tina Kotek had taken $60,000 in cash that we know of. And this is reported by the Willamette Week, which is a left-wing liberal newspaper in Portland. So all this stuff is like coming out. And, and Fagan had to step down, but Wagner's still there and Kotek's still there. And even Republicans took cash. I know that our Republican minority leader, Brees, uh, uh, Vicki Brees Iverson, uh, had to step down in leadership position because she's under FBI investigation for taking cash. But let me tell you from these very same people, this is a narco state that we have right now. And, and elections, anybody, and I'll tell you this too, the cartel, if you think you, you're a badass and you work as an IT guy at a big blue chip company and you can hack anything and do anything and prevent any hack, well, you know what? The cartel has you too. They have you in bed because they pay you, they pay them, they pay their you way better than, they, than your company pays you. So the, the, they have this, the technology to go right out front and, and sit in front of there and, and modify elections and they can give cash to these people. The corruption in Oregon is absolutely insane. They're the ones that are truly benefiting uh, the most. So again, 84% ceiling, algorithm ceiling, 82% ceiling for Republicans, 84% for Democrat turnout. They obviously don't care about anybody else. Those are the big things that matter, okay? So that's one thing. So we go into court and we want to present this to the judge. Now, keep in mind, there's no jury here, okay? We are in a, a county circuit court and we are, we are presenting to one judge to make the decision. And right. we tell the judge we have this information and she says, stop. I don't want to hear it. State objects. Well, we don't want to see. It doesn't matter. The, the state goes, this, this data has nothing to do with whether or not the people should be allowed to see this data or not see this data. Okay. This is, and we're like, well, it has everything to do because we're caught a major smoking gun here. Okay. We caught it. The state's trying to hide it. This is very relevant. And the judge says, uh, I don't know what to do. He goes, I'm going to deny it based on the grounds of prejudice, uh, prejudicial grounds, meaning that if she sees the data, that she would become prejudiced to the decision and the judgment in the case. Now, my attorney, Jonkis, our attorney, says, hold on a second. <laughs> Let me get this straight, Your Honor. <laughs> You're a judge. You are supposed to be inherently non-judgmental. You are inherently non-prejudiced. You're the judge. If there was a jury here, we could understand why we would want to talk about this, you know, in, in your quarters, but not in front of the jury to prejudice the jury, but there's no jury. So this is uh, an unprecedented ruling 
to, to, to award the state this objection on this data based on prejudice because you're inherently not prejudiced. And then she goes, hold on, I'm calling a recess until tomorrow. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Honest to God, I'm not shitting you. So they, so they, so we come back the next day, and the judge says, not admitting it on prejudicial grounds. So that data was never allowed to be put on the public record in that courtroom. And and now that case has been appealed two weeks ago now to the uh, Oregon State Supreme Court. And um, that's civil, uh, Washington County v. Civil. So we're taking that to the Supreme Court. And the evidence that we have in civil case is also part of Dealman v. Fagan in the federal court. And there's another case that, that I'm not a part of. There's one more in Clackamas County in which a woman named Mae Wong and another woman named uh, Dana Hinman Allen. Uh, Dana was running for Clackamas County Commissioner and um, Mae Wong was running for uh, Metro, which is a weird, uh, big, very large, very powerful government entity overseeing uh, the city of Portland. And Mae Wong uh, came out of the gates, you know, shooting star, right? She, she was beating, beating her opponent handedly. And then through the night and in the next couple of days, her vote count, actually dropped by thousands of votes. So she lost 1,200 there, 3,200 there, 4,500 there over the next few days. And she had the screenshots to prove it. And they're in federal court right now too, trying to get the state to explain if uh, counting votes is an additive process, then how come there was subtraction in my elections? Then how- They're having a hard time explaining themselves. (laughs) I I, I bet. I mean- Three cases right That's now a, going on right now. Uh, see, when I brought you onto the show tonight, I knew that I was going to be getting a good show worth of excellent content based upon what you've been involved with. But I didn't know that you were involved intimately in so much with Free Organ that, that took it to a different level with lawsuits and everything. So I'm glad that when I mapped out this conversation tonight, <laughs> I mapped out like, hey, I want to make sure I touch all these points. Yeah, um, we're, we're all over the place. I'm at the tip of the spear. And, um, I'll tell yeah. you something. It's not easy, okay? We, we had a, I have a child that goes to Hazelbrook Middle School, which now my uh, tweet with that video has a million views. And it was a girl who was viciously beat up by a boy wearing girls' clothes. And this is the school district my kids go to. My kids are in public school. You may hate me for that and go, homeschool, homeschool, but no. I want my kids to see and witness communism firsthand. We talk every single day and I wish you would take your kids out of homeschool and let them sit next to mine so that we can fight together. Uh, But that's my opinion. (laughs) I mean, as, as a public school teacher, but that's my opinion as a public school teacher, uh, I got to clap back a little bit. Like this narrative that is going on in this country, that all public school teachers are these communist liberals that are indoctrinating children. I don't see it where I work. I'm not telling you, okay. I'm not telling you that there aren't one or two teachers in the building that have their own agendas may do some of their own things in the classroom. I I do believe that that happens right in every single school. But as far as like the overall feeling, I find that there's a lot more people that think along the lines that I think Mm -hmm. that are wanting common sense and Liberty minded and constitutional and just want our country to be a great country and less consumed with making everybody feel good with identity politics, whatever the, the critical race theory and everything else that's going on that people may talk about. Uh, I think there's a lot more educators like us and myself, not you, 
<laughs> um, that I, we get silenced because the mob mentality, unfortunately, I believe the minority of those individuals, the minority is the people that are in that indoctrination side, were afraid that on social media and everywhere else, if you have a more um, socially liberal, uh, conservatively uh, based in constitution and just wanting to limit things in government, that people will go after you. I mean, I know for a fact here in Delaware that there is one individual that I had the block on Facebook because they are so far off into the liberal land and education in the union that myself as a union person and being more on a common sense type of side, I was like, I can't go toe the toe with this individual without worrying about ad hominem attacks. Mm -hmm. And so I have to watch my back. And I think there's so much more of that. So I, I just want to say, I don't think it's all horrible in public education. I it's do not. think really, even yeah. in Portland, it's not, it's yeah. not a horrible. You're right. I, I do think that there's some things that need to happen. And I'm I'm curious in free Oregon, what you're doing on the education side on some of this, right? So number one, uh, I would like to get rid of the, the uh, board of education uh, when it comes to the national way, there's nothing in the constitution that says that our education system should be managed by our government, right? That it goes back to the States and the local school boards in order to control what happens with our schools, get, you know, the department of education, that, that's what I meant to say. Get the Department of Education out of the schools. Dissolve it, right? I would love to see somebody do that. That's the first part. The second part is I would like to see us get back to understanding what is curriculum. Curriculum means that you have a syllabus and you teach exactly what's in the curriculum and not outside of it. Now, granted, you have to build relationships with kids. And sometimes there's teachable moments in life that are 100% okay to build into curriculum in order to enrich those kids and give them a good perspective. The problem is when you all of a sudden uh, turn that into politics and teach a kid who they should hate or who they should love as far as a political ideology, right? I have a real problem with that. So when we get into sex education, which I know is something that we can talk about when we get into critical race theory, what I believe is this, there's an appropriate time for conversations. And if you're a health teacher, absolutely 100% have that conversation about sex education at the appropriate age. When people talk about the books that are in schools, I have a problem when there's books that show sex acts that are available to any grade to walk into that school library and be able to find or a classroom library. I understand why Florida passed what they, what they passed yeah. because it's not part of the curriculum of that health class where that's what should be happening inside that classroom, not in another class. That's a math class or a class that has nothing to do with the content matter and is not appropriate for the age. As far as critical race theory, I wanted to tell you my perspective on it tonight because I saw kind of what you call indoctrination. As a television and film teacher, I've been teaching critical race theory ever since I first started teaching. But you know what I called it? I called it history. I didn't call it critical race theory. I called it actually teaching the history books the way it should be. The fact that there was blackface and it was wrong in the yep. radio industry and the television industry and the film industry. The fact that it was disproportionate to be able to hire minority actors, people of color, and the fact that Sidney Poitier was the first person to win the Academy Award. 
Other people would call that critical race theory in 2023. I call that teaching history because I'm teaching all of it. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I think that there's a fear around teaching all of history to some individuals when they don't realize that at times these textbooks are written by imperfect people that have left out good chunks of information. And if it fits the curriculum, curriculum, go ahead and put it in. Like it doesn't threaten me in any way, shape or form that if maybe minority uh, history is not being fully taught, we bring that into the equation. 100%. I, I just think that the, 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 the concept of politicizing critical race theory, the way that we have is the imperfect messenger within all of this. Um, so I just wanted to see, like, I, I saw that, you know, critical race theory indoctrination. Do you agree with the points that I'm making, or do you believe that I'm missing something? We need to go a little bit further. There really is this other agenda. So, so I agree with you. I would, I said the same thing. Like, why aren't we just teaching history? Why aren't we just incorporating more history into history? This is, this is really a, a great thing to me. Uh, again, like, like, I said earlier in the in the podcast that um, the, the black community shaped my upbringing and it shaped my life and and um, and so um, I, I I'm like what why this is this is all we're all Americans this is this is the American history we need to know and understand but critical race theory is gone now okay so nobody nobody's doing right. critical race right. theory and critical race theory in and of itself is a is a theory that says that uh, because you're black and or because you're white you have inherent uh, advantages in society. And um, that goes against uh, what the American theory is, which is everyone has uh, an equal opportunity um, to become something in life or to build their life, or, and, 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 but not you don't get a hand up. Critical race theory was communist in its, in its nature because okay. it set the stage to say, well, you're black, you can have this money. You can take my money and, I, and I'll give it to you. So it's like the Robin Hood or whatever it might be. But we saw how devastating that worked out uh, in 2020 and 2021 um, to the black communities all around. And, you know, who made all the money was the people who led BLM. That's uh, uh, blacks living in mansions. I think that's what they, they called themselves. It's ridiculous, right? So, the, 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 but the, the, I, I don't know that I would call it all ridiculous. I'm going to explain why. Yeah. And this, this is where like uh, this is where I kind of struggle with this conversation a little bit. Because yeah. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think that one, me personally here in 2023, uh, I agree. Like I, I, I don't have any hatred in my heart for anybody. And I personally feel like, you know, yeah, no, I didn't personally enslave anybody. My parents didn't either. I don't know if we go all the way back in my family history, if there were slave owners, I don't know that, but you know what I do know? It's where I'm at right now in my life and the fact that I'm trying to work to make sure that everybody has same opportunities. I'm trying to make sure that everybody uh, can celebrate their own culture, can celebrate who they are and everything else. That all stated, I think where I struggle is I also understand, and this is a Democrat thing, right? I also understand that when you look at Democrat cities, that we have enslaved black people again in 100%. poverty. Yes, and so, you're nailing it. So, so yes. pover poverty has enslaved people with yeah. systems like EBT cards yep. and government cell phones and handouts. Uh, and that's what really worries me about universal income on top of all this. Um, we have created a system as government that is not sincere 
about really having equal rights. And so when we say this, I just wanted to kind of clarify one of the things that you were saying is like, yeah, no, you, you have to acknowledge that. Yes. Yeah, some people are born with a hand up uh, over of somebody course, else yes, of course. because the system actually is racist. The system is hurting people that are black uh, and, and people that are Hispanic as well. It's putting people into cities where people become reliant on the cities and the government that continues to get reinstalled over and yes. over again. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, but they want the same results and they keep getting the same results. That means it's on purpose. It's well, they, they you're, want you're, that. You're nailing it so it's, eloquently. It's, it, it's lining their pockets. I argue, but I can't. I just can't. Yeah, it's lining their pockets, right? It's, it's lining yeah. back. So I think that's why... Again, I, I told you at the beginning of the show, I try to cut through the right and the left, yeah. and I try to figure out where can we bring people together. I think where we can agree is, yes, me being born in my white family here in Delaware, in the suburbs, that yes, I, was, I broke out of a city system that keeps people within the city in certain neighborhoods to the point where people have to work the streets and gangs and everything else or become part of a systemic part of poverty that they can't get out of. And the government reinforces that by continuing to say, well, here's your check. Here's your ability to, we'll help feed you. We'll help take care of you. And instead of meaningful opportunities for all individuals. So when I look at who are the people that are perpetuating racism the most right now, I actually look at government. I look at failed government policies and everything else that's going on, but I'm just very careful not to say that because I was born the way I was born, that I don't have maybe a leg up on somebody else. That's not to say there's not a white person that's out there right now that wasn't born into extreme poverty that doesn't have the same opportunities that I had, right? It's not to, to, to dismiss that. It's just, we literally uh, have streamlined individual parts of cities to make sure that white people weren't there way back when. It's continuing to be a problem because people profit off of that and failure to really acknowledge that would, would not be uh, intellectually honest with my audience. And I just think that at some point in time, we got to come to terms with the politicians aren't doing the right job and the programs are either ones that you're going to be a slave to, or you're going to step up and step out and you're going to break the, the chains that are there and, yeah. and stop voting to continue to put yourself in the same position uh, and realize that you can. So I think we're finding common ground in, in that part of the argument. I was curious we're, as we're, we're, to where I, we're going to go. I really love what you just said. I, I, that's, that is, that is my true belief. Like we, we, the critical race theory and DEI itself in and of itself is a mode of holding specific people down, specific people who will buy into it. Um, when, when you're, when the, there's, there's poor thinking and there's, there's, um, abundant thinking, right? There, there's two ways of thinking and there's, there's two ways that there's multiple ways of doing. And I think that um, I, I read this book called Hillbilly Elegy years ago. Um, fascinating book. White guy grew up in, uh, in, in the um, Appalachians in, in a poor, uh, poor, poor, poor uh, areas. And he had someone from outside that area influence his life from outside that culture. And it changed him and it gave him a way out and it wasn't that he didn't have to work his ass off or, or earn anything or, or have major setbacks in his life, but it was the injection of, of outside thinking beyond his own community's thinking that, that changed him and gave him a way out. And it's written by J.D. Vance, who's now a congressman. 
But back then, he wasn't a congressman. He wasn't even thinking about Congress. He just wrote this book, and it was fascinating. Um, and I've seen it too in in in, in all the communities. And and it, it we have to we have to set we have to stop making excuses. I got kids. I'm, I'm sure you do too. My kids, when they make excuses, I'm da, 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 da. no, no excuses. You just do it. You just see what's inside yourself. Now I coach these kids, these fourth graders and fifth graders and seventh graders. They can, look, I coach them too. And I say, no, 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 no. Work hard. Do it again. Keep trying. Don't give up. Stop making excuses. Don't rob yourself of the opportunity to grow. And, and these are the, these are the things, this is why I do that, right? I, th this is why I coach these kids. It's, it's a, I don't have time for it. And it's a, a crazy thing that I should even be doing it, but I get there. And that's, that's why, because um, when you can teach people uh, how to earn it themselves, how to build it themselves, yes. then you're not just, it's give a man a fish, feed him for the day, you, teach him to fish, feed him a lifetime. And, and we've, we've gotten away from, from that common sense uh, governance to where you need a hand for a minute, we'll give you a hand for a minute. After that, you got to figure it out. Um, and 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 instead, now we've got we've got literally um, they are the, the people of Portland. There, there's so many people who have fallen victim to the free money, the free cell phone, the free place to live. Go go go, pitch your tent anywhere you want. The the drugs. Hey, you want some free crack pipes? You want a free needles? Um, you want some free methadone? If you can't get your uh, your your fix, they'll give it to you for free, so you can lay there. And 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 waste your life away on the side of a road, and um and that's what they've done. Yep. And uh and it's and it's a humanitarian crisis is what it is. And that's what I was trying to refer to earlier with the uh with the legalization of all drugs that the government themselves is benefiting off a system where they're going here we'll we'll help provide this and we see that now in the city streets just up from the road from me in Philadelphia. I, I don't think that the the scenery probably looks much different than Portland, right? People walking in a heroin type of days, they look like walking zombies from the walking dead. It is. It's uh, a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're literally there. There's one other part of the free organ thing that I wanted to talk about on the education front. Yeah. Um, in your uh, kind of a uh, manifesto, so to speak of like the, the major issues you guys are are fighting for you talk about free organ is not in opposition of gay rights. We do oppose the integration of the LGBTQ plus ideological movement in our public school curriculum. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you tap dance between being uh, not opposition to gay rights, but at the same time opposing uh, what people now have really personalized as a tenant of public school curriculum? Um, because that, that's something that I already understand very well as a public school teacher, but I'm kind of curious how you guys are having this conversation. Well, I'll just tell you my, my, my personal feelings on it. And um, in Free Oregon, our, our leadership team, we have a, a, actually a quite a, a, an array of, of people. We have a, a, a person of color who's gay uh, on, our, on our board. Um, and uh, we, have, we have religious Christians on our board. And we have people like me that are like, a follower of Christ, but I don't go to church. <laughs> and then we have, you know, <laughs> or when I do, it's, you know, in the basements or something like that, you know, it, it, it's different, but, but, um, but we have a, we actually have some diversity on our team and there's a lot of debate around the LGBTQ uh, situation. Now, my understanding today is that I'm smelling a, a divorce between uh, LGB and the TQ. All right. I see that coming because, 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 um, and we work with Gays Against Groomers and we work, you know, we're, we're partner. We just did a big event a few weeks ago at Hazelbrook with um, with Gays Against Groomers. And it was really fantastic. And um, 
I was a I was an advocate for um, for gay rights. I would go to Pride and um, through my twenties and in in early thirties every year because I had friends that were gay or lesbian and we would go together and it was always a fun party. I'll tell you what, back when I partied, um, if you want to go to a, a fun party, that's a fun party. <laughs> but um, but but you know, I think I think what happened, you know, even today, the Oregon Republican Party platform uh, views marriage between a man and a woman, and and I I just think. You know, let's go. Like, 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 come on. Of all the opportunities we have to, to turn a state red, um, that's one of the things that makes it impossible. Um, right. Maybe you you believe that, but from a government standpoint, it's a civil rights violation to not allow uh, a man and a man to marry and a man and a woman and a woman to marry if they if they have the same relationship, obviously, that a man and a woman could have. Um, and if you know what, the way I always looked at it was, well, they get divorced then too. So. Um, like, like we can, we can all have it be equal. Fair enough. Um, but I, I was a big advocate for gay rights when gay rights were not being, um, recognized in, in Oregon and, and, and throughout the United States. So the problem is, is that once we achieved it, right. Gay rights was sort of the last, um, one of the last major, uh, civil rights hurdles that we had in this nation to realize its ultimate vision, um, which was all of us are created equal. And um, okay. and and uh, and we finally reached it in the, in the biggest picture way. Of course, there's racism in, in places that are you know racist and racist people and all this bullcrap, right? They're still there, but but as a nation, we got there with the gay marriage victory, okay? And um, the gay marriage equality victory. And now, what do all these infrastructure? What is this 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 five hundred one c four public benefit? You know, how does this machine? What does it now do? Right. What does it now do? Hmm. We don't want to waste it. Right. You know, we don't want to waste it. Let's 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 maybe take it a bit further and get some extra rights. You know, we deserve it. It's been a long time. <laughs> and that's what I think you're seeing happening. And I think it got politically taken over. And I think China is involved. I think our I think our national adversaries are deeply involved in um, in creating color revolutions in our nation, as we have done in theirs. Yeah. And um, and and I think this is what we're seeing right now, where. In Portland, just a couple of days ago, we had 5,000 people marching through the streets, uh, you know, protesting the Jews um, after a massive slaughter. Now, my protest is very different. My protest is, uh, is why are we involved? Why did we just give $600 million to, why did Joe Biden give $600 million to Iran for two weeks later so that, that Hamas can attack Israel? Then we give $100 million to Hamas, and then we give God knows what to Israel like shuffling the funds in my head here. And then Biden comes out and says, I'm a war time president. And, and you're going really like a war you literally just paid for. You just literally bought it all the way around so that now well, we can have this conflict. It's wow. I mean, he kind of is a wartime president. I mean, he was basically old enough to serve during world war two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. So we're in world war three and that's a whole nother story. Yeah. That, that that's a whole other one. Let's let's take a break here. Let's let's end here today, Ben. We'll come back uh, with this final segment a little bit later on America Emboldened. Uh, but this has been a great conversation, first in court cases and talking about what is going on in Oregon that could have repercussions throughout the entire country, as well as a great conversation about what's going on in schools. 
Uh, we're going to have more with Ben Edel next week on Wednesday as I continue this conversation with the final segment that I recorded with him. So you're going to want to make sure you check that out as well. I hope that we honored your time well here. If you'd like to check out Ben, make sure you go over to the free Oregon website or benedel.com, E-D-T-L, and uh, check out his very important work that he's been doing. That's it. That's all. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.